0: about a year and a half, but uh, almost for almost three and a half, four years, uh, I was on staff here at Ocean View, um, in variety roles, mostly overseeing our youth ministry, our worship ministry. Rebecca was on staff for a summer as well. Um, Kieran wasn't on staff, but he (laughs) was loved by all and uh, continues to be loved by our awesome community here. And we have a new baby, Dahlia, filling up the quiver, you know. And so you'll be able to meet her after the service. She's around, extremely cute. Today we live in Parksville. Um, I'm involved in our family business, Little Polycom Cheese Cheeseworks. Rebecca is a teacher on call and an excellent and busy mom for our kids. We attend a church there, confusingly called Oceanside Community Church. <laughs> and, uh, and when I'm leading worship there, you can imagine how often I get the two confused. It's, it's uh, really worked out interestingly. Anyway, we're happy to be involved in our church in Parksville, but it doesn't mean we don't miss our community here, so it's wonderful to be with you today. And also, happy 2019. It's exciting to start a new year. I think partially because my birthday is in December and New Year's is right after, I always have a distinct sense of a fresh start, of a new beginning at this time of year. It's a wonderful feeling. It's a good time to kind of slow down, to zoom out a bit, and to take stock of where one is in life. You can focus on things that have gone super well for the last year, and maybe be aware of some things that could use extra attention in the new year. How many of you make New Year's resolutions? Is that a thing here? No. Well, they don't tend to work very well. That's interesting. I, I've often made them. Uh, and the, the most successful one I had in 2018 was about dental care. See, I, I always felt guilty when people talked about flossing. And I was embarrassed to talk to my dentist about how little I floss. I thought brushing was fine. But I heard a, a quote from another dentist that says, don't worry, you only need to floss the teeth you want to keep. <laughs> so that got... Made me get my budding gear, get my act together. And so 2018 was the year I dominated flossing. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> bingo. Another New Year's resolution I had was to blog more. And that's a lot more work. It's still something I'd be interested in, but unfortunately there's no correlation between not blogging and your teeth falling out. So there was no success there. Anyway, as I've been praying, preparing for 2019... And reflecting on this transition between years, I realized that the biggest factor of all affecting your year isn't what goals or resolutions you set, it's something else. It's something I hardly thought about. So I've titled this sermon today, The Greatest Impact of 2019. It's deliberately vague because the thing that will have the greatest impact on you in 2019 is also the way in which you will have the greatest impact on your community, on others in your life in 2019, and that is your closest relationships. Christian author and leadership writer Charles Jones once put it this way, you will be the same person in five years as you are today, except for the people you meet and the books you read. I love that quote. Today it could be extended to say books, articles, blogs, you you read the videos and podcasts you consume and whatnot. That's a whole topic in itself, but I want to focus on the first part, and that is, you are a product of the people you spend the most time with. So that begs the question, who are those people in your life? Your relatives, coworkers, your friends, church community, so on? You can have some control over how they affect you, but ultimately, you need to think about the people closest to you and ask yourself, does the direction they are headed lead to the destination I want to get to? Now, if Ocean View Community Church is your home church, everyone here is incredible, so the answer is obviously yes. This principle is often made clear if you think about where you are today versus where you are a year ago. It likely has a lot to do with the influence, the encouragement, the advice of people who are closest to you, the people that you love most and love you. The reality is, unless God has something else in mind, each one of us will arrive at the end of 2019 in a different place in life. You're going to be faced with all kinds of decisions, decisions, New experiences, highs and lows, and the people closest to you will define how it all goes. Relationships in general, the way we treat and interact with other people around us, is a massive theme throughout the Bible. This morning we're going to look at a few of those key passages and talk about how to approach friendships and relationships and discuss what that means for the coming year. So given the reality that friends define who we become, some people say you make friends and then your friends make you, One of the best relationships to start investing in is mentorship. I'm going to start there. Hebrews 13.7 says this, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. That's a fantastic framework for selecting mentors. As a general principle, we should model our lives after men and women who talk the talk and walk the walk. People who speak the word of God, in other words, honor God with their beliefs, values, thinking, speaking, praying, and who have a way of life consistent with that outcome in their actions, decisions, the way they treat others, and so on. And for these kinds of leaders in our lives, the writer of Hebrews doesn't just say imitate their personality, doesn't say imitate their actions or even their character, but those are probably wise things to do. It says, imitate their faith. How do they relate to God? Does knowing God shape their life to the extent that it affects all of their thoughts and actions and overflows into their relationships? This is the kind of person we should look for in a mentor. I often think of a mentor as someone who is a few steps ahead of you in the direction you want to be going. That could be in faith, in education, in marriage, parenting, career, some other area. Finding a mentor starts with an important step, and that is acknowledging that you don't have it all figured out. This is super hard, especially for men. We have a tough time getting into this position of humility and asking people for advice and input. It's not always easy. It takes a certain level of humility and self-awareness to deliberately seek out the input of someone wiser or more experienced in their life and faith walk. And as vulnerable as it may seem, seeking the room where you are the least qualified and experienced person really is a fast track to personal growth in any area of your life and discipleship. King Solomon wrote about it in his Proverbs uh, 13.20. It says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. The second big shift in this isn't just being mentored, but mentoring others. Finding a mentor is awesome. Gaining the new skills, wisdom, insight, training, very important. But ultimately, life isn't just about advancing ourselves or pursuing our own success. In addition to finding mentors and positive influences in your life, it's important to be a mentor and a good influence to others. One of the most prominent examples of a mentoring relationship that, in the Bible is that of Paul and Timothy. Paul himself clearly demonstrates the importance of mentoring others. In Acts 16, 1-5, we see the start of this mentorship. It says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because the Jews who lived in the area, where they all knew his father was Greek, and they traveled from town to town, and they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in, in Jerusalem to the people, for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. This mentorship grew to become one of the most important ministry partnerships in the early church. Paul often talked of Timothy as his son. They were that close. They had this kind of um, friendship and close working relationship. They traveled together, worked together, and eventually Timothy was commissioned to begin ministry on his own. And I want to go into the significance of that succession, but first, there's a great principle here we have to acknowledge with regards to mentorship. It's not just up to the mentee to find a mentor. As important as that is, Paul went looking for Timothy, and then he invited him into his life and initiated a training and discipling and mentoring relationship. Paul saw Timothy. He was well-regarded in his community. He was clearly had a leadership potential. He needed experience and training. And he didn't wait for Timothy to realize his own need for mentorship. He just invited him into his mission. And then he had him circumcised, which thankfully isn't something we have to do now. But my point is, if you're someone who has great experience and training and mentorship opportunities from others or even if you didn't have that and you wish you had, it's time to start investing in others. Even in this church. There's so many teens, young adults, young couples, older couples who could benefit from your encouragement, from your input in their life. And if you don't know how to get involved in their life or what language to use, what things to be done, it doesn't matter. Just be like Paul. Invite them into your life, into your mission. I think there's a lot of us that could be doing this more. It's In fact, all of us should engage in this process in some aspect. It's the core part of kingdom living. It's our Christian mandate. We learn to teach. We receive to then give. Paul eventually commissioned Timothy to engage as a leader and to mentor others. In 2 Timothy 2, 1-2, it says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard in me, me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. You see how this scales up, how it multiplies? We become equipped to then equip others, to then equip others, and so on. Now, if an example like Paul, the apostle, makes you think you're not super qualified to mentor others, that's not the case at all. This isn't just something that applies to spiritual warriors or experienced Christians or people who have their life together. Timothy's ministry was not all butterflies and roses. He ran into issues. He had his own insecurities about his abilities. During that time, Paul wrote this incredibly encouraging passage to him in a letter. He said in 1 Timothy 4 four twelve. he says, "'Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, "'but set an example for the believers in speech, "'in conduct, in love.'" in faith and in purity. Maybe today you're young. Maybe you're new to Christianity and you're spiritually young. Or maybe you just deal with the doubts and insecurities that are common to most of us. But no matter what the case is, this applies to you. God's call is to use what he has taught you to teach others, to serve others. Use your experiences in your pain to bless others. To use your character to set an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. No matter where you are at in your spiritual walk, there are others who can learn from your life experiences and the lessons you've learned. And in the same way you are influenced by those around you, whether you like it or not, you are an influence to those who trust and look up to you, whether you're strategically meeting with mentees or not. I remember being a preteen hanging out at youth group at my church and I looked at the way the older teens uh, interacted <clears throat> and I really looked up to those the, the teens who were playing in the youth worship band. I watched them very closely because I was impressed with them and I wanted to be like them. So not only did I watch them when they were on the platform doing their ministry, I watched them when they were just off when they were just doing regular life because I wanted to see if their words lined up and <clears throat> their with their actions and their actions lined up with their words if they were consistent it wasn't a conscious process but it's pretty inevitable especially during those formative years as we're growing up thankfully there were a lot of great role models in that youth group and it was a real blessing to follow their example but it made me realize as I got older how important it is to be a godly role model to those around us people are watching me people are watching you no matter what your job is or your role Or whether you have a title or not people around you are depending on you to show them what it means to be a Christian to show them what it means to be a woman or a man of God what it looks like to be a good husband or a wife or to be a single in a God honoring way and sometimes I wish this wasn't the case but people are evaluating Jesus himself by watching your life we have to take it seriously so we ask ourselves are we pointing others to Christ in our actions, decisions, language? Do we, as Paul talks about in Philippians, conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel? This is where mentoring begins to look a lot like friendship. It's caring about people. And I think it's totally healthy for the lines between mentorship and friendship to eventually blur. I think it's the various people uh, in my life, who I think of who have mentored me and whom I have mentored. And there's been an unmistakable process of teaching and discipling, but today they're primarily friends. That's how I consider it. So the third point I want to talk about is build godly friendships. You see, it's not ultimately uh, about having one or two mentors. Every person you surround yourself with will have an effect on you. The Bible has a lot to say about friendship and the importance of it. One of my favorite passages on this or period is Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This is something I pray a lot in various teams that I'm a part of, this kind of, this passage. I pray, Lord, to help us sharpen each other, help us to hold each other to a higher standard, make make one another better. It's a popular saying that Friends, double our joys and half our sorrows. I know that's true for my life. When I was still single, I took a trip to Croatia, across from uh, Italy by myself, and I backpacked around the coast of the Mediterranean. and had these incredible experiences and saw beautiful beaches and rivers and forests and tried all this incredible food. And when I was done, I promised myself I would never travel alone again. I wanted to share it with someone. I wanted to say, wow, Look at that. Can you believe it? Here, have a taste of this. Isn't it magnificent? And there was no one there. So depressing. On the flip side, friends make all the difference when you're going through trials. For us, recently we went through a a miscarriage. It's confusing. It's a heartbreaking loss that tends to affect quite a few families. And we had friends from church and family members come and pray with us and share food and it was that had a huge impact. And I know all of you could share similar experiences. Garth was alluding to this. This is actually for many families in our church been a really tough season for a lot of reasons. But we're meant to be in community because friends double our joys and they half our sorrows. As I mentioned, to some extent, you can't be influenced you can't help but be influenced by the people around you. But on the other hand, this is not a reason to exclusively hang out with people Who you like or who are like you or who have their life together if you only take these few passages you may be tempted to just avoid anyone who's weird or awkward or poor or rebellious or obviously sinful in some way but that's not the case at all there are an overwhelming number of commandments and real life examples in the bible that tell us otherwise take jesus for example he was always getting into trouble for hanging out with the wrong people Prostitutes, corrupt tax collectors, beggars, weird people with contagious diseases, that kind of thing. Godly friendships aren't necessarily neat and tidy, but they are transformative. This is one of the reasons I love church. Bunch of weird people, no. <laughs> it's, a, it's because of the relationships. It's a sense of community. <clears throat> and if you think about it, this is a diverse group. Why else would a bunch of little kids, teenagers, parents, single parents, retirees, singles, and everyone else in between come together and commit to loving and serving each other? It doesn't make any sense. If it were just up to me with no church involved, I would just hang out with people who are like me. It's more easy, it's more comfortable. That's our natural tendency, but it's not what the kingdom looks like. God's kingdom is messy. Young and old, rich and poor, different political views, different personalities and interests, all joining together out of a shared love for Jesus. Because we love Jesus, we have experienced his work in our lives, we want to be part of his work in the lives of others. This is is the kind of community that makes us better and ultimately will shape and change the world, as iron sharpens iron, so we help each other draw close to Jesus. So do you have these kinds of friends? Does your core circle encourage and challenge you to walk closer with Jesus? If not, where are some of those people you could start meeting with, sharing your life with, investing in that kind of mutually edifying community with? I think in most cases cutting off a friendship that isn't like this is not w- a wise thing to do isn't the right decision maybe in some cases but a friendship will shift it, and this is a natural progression if you realize the people that are closest to you are not helping you get to where you want to be get to where god wants you to be first of all find friends who do and i would say join a small group here at ocean or start serving in some capacity in a ministry where you can get to know other people and build relationships. And then start approaching your other relationships with the focus to be that kind of friend to them. How can you show the character of Jesus to those around you? How can you help them draw closer to God and know him more deeply? One of my favorite quotes that I heard recently is from pastor and leadership author Andy Stanley. It's one of the axioms or sayings that he uses all the time in his church. He says, Your friends determine the quality and direction of your life. Your friends determine the quality and direction of your life. I really like that. I think it's a terrific reminder, especially as we go into the new year. So my challenge to you in 2019 is this. Find a mentor, someone who's a little farther along in the direction that you want to go, and commit to spending time with him or her. Learn to ask questions, to follow their example, and to glean all you can. And secondly, mentor others whether you're formally asked to have mentoring sessions with someone or not just look for people that you can help and serve in some capacity and begin investing in their life with intention and thirdly seek to build godly friendships care for those around you and let them care for you all of this matters so much for two reasons your friends determine the direction and quality of your life and your closest community is ultimately where you will have the biggest impact in 2019 in your life. That's massively important. It's easy to get hyped up about the big missions and visions we have for our life, all of the fancy positions, jobs, ministries to be a part of, all of the New Year's resolutions that you guys don't have. But we forget that our primary ministry and our primary impact is our immediate community. If you have a spouse and kids... That's where you will have your biggest impact. If you have, if not, it's in your closest relationships, more like Jesus. Think of why he traveled, lived, did all his ministry with 12 close disciples. It's because after all of the incredible sermons and miracles, it was the time he invested in those close friends that started a revolution that would change the world. So let's make that our focus in 2019. Dan, come and pray for us.